Write That Down, hosted by Jacob Novak and myself, Nate Ulrich. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. This week, we ask ourselves how we can be the best collaborator possible. To find the answer, we reflect on the pros and cons we've learned from our experiences in both teaming up with others and going solo. So, let's get into it. So, uh, Jacob, what's the biggest difference you've noticed between uh, working solo and collaborating? Well, it's it's interesting for me. I think my first thought between collaborating and, and solo work is the writing end of things. Uh, because I've had experiences both where it's just myself in a room trying to get something down on a page and also having a writer's room kind of thing. Uh, like, specifically, I'm thinking, we talked last week about my uh Men film, which, sorry, I'll probably be referencing a thousand times throughout the course of this podcast because uh, it's the biggest scale thing I've done. Uh, but sure. that was kind of a singular writing effort for me where it more often than not it was just me in a room usually with with you or one of our other housemates from college uh just off in the other corner at at the table or something like that and I was just trying to get in the zone and uh kind of think through the the project myself uh which was nice because that kind of solo work is kind of a good way for having complete creative tr- control over the story, I guess. Um, but it's kind of at the risk of time management because when it is just myself in a room trying to get stuff done uh, with no no one kind of pushing me along, uh, it can cause me to, to be hung up on, on ideas and take longer than it should and things like that. Uh, versus in the, a writing experience I had that was collaboration, was there is a series at the video production team at Juniata called uh, Staff Only, which was probably the main reason I wanted to join the VPT, uh, because it was like a, a office kind of mockumentary series that they did. That it was just like 10-minute episodes, and uh, it was just a fun thing that they did, and I really wanted to be part of that. Uh, unfortunately, once I got hired, it stopped, Uh so I think I caused that. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, we, at some points, I think it was my junior year, we tried to write uh, a comeback episode. And so that was me. Mm-hmm. It was uh, my friends Katie and Fisher, who, who were also on the VPT, and I think a couple other people as well, uh, in a room just trying to break the story and and write jokes together and things like that. And it was a really good uh, experience of having that writer's room kind of mentality and and having a lot of, uh, it's kind of the melting pot idea. Um, And there are so many people in the room to help push things along and and not waste too much time. Although we definitely did waste time uh, at at points. Uh, But yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of my, my biggest takeaway, uh, or my, my earliest example of uh, collaboration versus solo work is is just either having that singular vision that I get to focus on myself or uh, having other people kind of not competing, but competing for for ideas and jokes to be put in the script. But uh, uh, just 
being able to get through it uh, and having so many visions come together. How about you? Yeah, uh, well, before it gets to me, I just want to point out that uh, that's really interesting uh, how you talk about, you know, you have to build that foundation of your story. You have to get your thoughts out. I mean, we talked about this pre- in the previous episode, but you, you need to, as the writer and as that create creator of that story, you need to be there to build that foundation, right? And if other people's influences and stuff are always, uh, you know, they're talking about your story before you've even fully created it, 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 it doesn't have that same impact as just your story that you've created, right? And that's something that you've experienced in creating the Y-Men in, that, in those initial phases where you, you didn't need other people's input before you actually had the main story, right? Before it was polished, right. but it, it was out there, right? And so I think that's that's awesome that you bring that up because my experience is really completely opposite in the fact that <laughs> I've hardly ever really worked on a solo project. Um, and I think that's primarily because of the differences in our own creative paths. Um, sure. Let's see. So like create uh, collaboration versus solo or, or differences in there. The only time I really worked on solo projects was probably in college. But even then, so uh, when you work in a creative field, when you work in videography, you're always relying on your teammates. You're always relying on the uh, people around you, whether those are actors or other people in your videos, and you're collaborating with them, right? And so in my experience, uh, in my sort of very young five years experience of working in video and working on a creative team, I really haven't had too many solo experiences. Um, Yeah. I guess that's that's kind of the the thing is that even though like in the our kind of creative video work, uh, while there are elements that are solo, that even if you're trying to go mostly solo, it's you're always gonna be working with someone down the line at some point, right? Right, right. And and the only the um, the folks that stick out in my mind who are videographers or storytellers or you know, creatives who, who work on, you know, Vimeo or YouTube or other video platforms. Uh, and the ones that stick out to me are the type, are the people who maybe go on solo hiking trips and document themselves where they are the only one out there in the middle of nowhere with the camera. And then they go home and they do all the editing. And that's sort of a solo, complete solo project. Yeah. That's true solo. Right. That's (laughs) true solo. And so, uh, and so for me, when I, I mean, I don't do that. And so every project that I've worked on, whether that has been a school project or a professional project where I've gotten paid or even just a fun project outside of the house, I've, I've almost always worked with someone. Um, and, and it's, it's fascinating because we're going to dive deeper into how collaboration works and the, uh, the positives of collaboration. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, when we, when we're talking about the pros and cons um, what your sort of preferences or how do we, um, split up the, do we work alone for this segment of our creative process or should we be partnering up? How do you go about going through that process? Yeah, it is, it is interesting because I, I don't know. I, I think as I went through the process of creating the Y men, I just kind of became, and I don't know, it's, I feel weird saying this, but I kind of felt like it was kind of an auteur 
kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's pretentious or a bad thing or not, uh, especially, you know, for a, a college project or, or something as small of a scale as that. But I, I think there are a lot of singular ideas that I'm working on right now. Like I have my cork board of all my projects that I want to work on at some point and most of them are all kind of singular things where I'm going to work on them. I'm going to write them. And of course I'll send them to you or to other people for feedback every now and again. But more often than not, it is by myself, uh, kind of thing. And then I would, I would want to, if they were ever to go into production, I'd want to direct these projects and things like that. And so that idea of, uh, being an auteur is appealing to me as pretentious that, as that might sound, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also something to be said about, you know, the writer's room and and just like I think of there's a sketch on my YouTube channel called Late where mm-hmm. it was with uh, our friends Evan and Harry. And while that was a it was just a two minute sketch that I wrote for a class in college, there's a, a decent amount of collaboration and imp- improvising on set especially mm-hmm. in terms of because it's a mostly physical comedy sketch that we did and so i was behind the camera and then harry and evan would just come up with these physical beats yeah uh that would just you know that would elevate mm-hmm. uh the sketch and so there definitely is something to be said for that and i think it's just kind of a case-by-case basis for me uh because there are some projects that i want to be able to work through by myself uh before you know, bringing on a, a, a production team and things like that. Right. Um, but it, it also is just so much fun to be in a room with like one plus people, even if it's just one other person there, there's so much to be said about that experience of uh, going through and, and yes, ending with people. Right. 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 I, I, I want to add to that. And, and that is, and to talk about your sketch, um, about the collaboration aspect of that. And so collaboration sort of letting go of complete control, right? And I want right. I want to I want to talk about that because when you as the producer of that sketch let go let go of com- your complete control over what those actors did, what Harry and Evan did, uh you added value and added uh so much you added so much more potential for that skit to allow them to do what they thought was best, right? And had you been yeah. that director to say, no, 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 I didn't write it that way. You are not allowed to do that. You have <laughs> to do it the way I want it want it to be written. Uh, then you sort of lose that that those extra nuances that those characters can bring into the sketch that that weren't written down on the paper per se, but can be lived through the acting, right? And so yeah. that's the power of the collaboration in that aspect, in that two minute little sketch you did for a college uh, project, right? Yeah, and and that's kind of a one of the, one of the things that I think about uh, in collaboration. Like, even if you are trying to have some sort of creative control over a project, uh, an important thing for collaboration for me is uh, accepting ideas, and that doesn't mean just saying yes to everything that people suggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being able to listen to them. Uh, and and think about it. And it's not that saying no to someone is a bad thing. I think the important thing is just having the reason why, like asking yourself why it has to be this way and, and things like that. I think it's, it's just uh, 
it's it's not getting too big for your britches, I guess. I'd hate that I use that phrase, but <laughs> or past it. So, but you know what I mean. Like it, it's it's not trying to be high and mighty over uh, every facet of the production and things like that. Right, and that and that's just a good. I think that's just a good leadership quality that goes beyond just the creative realm, right? Any good leader should have the ability and does have the ability to uh, say no, but to also listen to other aspects and other ideas from your group, your collaborative group, I should say, uh, to create a better product maybe. And that, again, doesn't have to be a video or, or a podcast or, or any sort of multimedia project. It could be anywhere between sales and and other uh, creative design stuff, right? Yeah. What do other people do? <laughs> do? Yeah. Yeah. What do other people do? <laughs> no. Uh, so, so I'm uh, also interested that, you know, I want to know about your, your preference. Right. And I know that this is a difficult question because throughout the creative process, there are different stages of when you potentially are working more by yourself to when you're really working uh, in a more collaborative fashion. So if I'm looking at the production of the Y-Men for the first semester, you primarily were writing and you primarily were working by yourself. Uh, And then that last semester, you were working with a full team. You had several, uh, you had a camera operator, you had an editor, audio, you had different actors. What what was your preference in, in that project versus potentially your preference in other projects? Yeah, I th- I think it kind of goes back to uh, what I was saying earlier is uh, kind of a case by case basis. Uh, in that, I love being. I'm gonna keep saying the word auteur, and I'm gonna feel gross every time. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to know what you think about the word auteur uh, and the implications that come with it. But just having that control, like for example, I'm working on a project right now uh, called Loser. Uh, I won't get into the specifics specifics now, but it is kind of a thing that I've been mulling over for a long time and chipping away at by myself. And while it has taken a long time, but it is something I'm really excited about to have the complete creative control over. But then when you texted me, uh, and we've talked about this, when you texted me like a month ago saying, hey, do you want to work on some other shorts like this? And, and we figure out the details and everything that motivated me so much more than like anything I could do to motivate myself, mm-hmm. you know, having the accountability of collaborating with other people is such a big thing for me. And so like, while I might like the idea of being the writer director, uh, kind of guy, there's so much that is just motivating about, you know, having another person that's going around, going along with it with you. Right. And everything like right. that. Yeah. And so that, that sort of brings up my, my preference and I preference. And I, I said this earlier, most of the projects I've done uh, have been uh, in a collaborative fashion. And so every time I reach out to other creatives, I'm looking for like, Hey, how can we work together or in what capacity can we both benefit from being partners in this sort of project? And something that, that I bring up a lot in, in that, you know, when I'm doing business commercials or when I'm doing uh, you know, real estate stuff, or even, even vid, even wedding videos, is that you know when your product production team that could be just me, uh, is working alongside a stakeholder, and that's anyone else that's a part of that production, whether they're uh going to be the business that gets the video, or whether they're the bride or the groom, or or, or whether they're the real estate agent. Um, when you're working together with that stakeholder, which I say is collaboration, 
uh, we're able right. to offer or create a better, better content or a better product. And so that's why it's, I, I think that's why it's important to the way that I perceive things or the way I go about business is that everyone I talk to is a, is a collaborator and the amount of input that they have does differ. Like for instance, if I make a wedding video, um, I'll probably say, you know, the bride and groom can reach back out with a couple of edits, but I don't allow them to completely rearrange my whole creative process. They hired me to do this. I'm going to do it the way that I, I do my video and I'll allow for a couple edits here and there. Uh, but I do take their thought into consideration and I call that collaboration. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, what do you think of the auteur mentality then, uh, of, of, trying to be this the singular vision uh that controls every creative part of something i think that there are obviously some positives to that in, in that and just to harp back on what you were talking about i think that if you don't have that mentality when you're when you have a story in your mind that you have to get out on paper if you don't have that mentality then your story doesn't ever get out Maybe it turns into somebody else's story because they had so much influence on you. And so in certain situations, I think that 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 is needed to happen. Now, I don't think that there's ever been any project out there. Maybe, maybe a, a sculpture from, you know, 200 years ago, or maybe, maybe a painting from 400 years ago, uh, was created with that mentality. But I don't think any artwork nowadays is created through that. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know, because uh, when I was looking up what people define as auteur, people were just saying in terms of filmmaking, it's it's just the equivalent of the author of a novel. But that's not really an equivalent because, I mean, sure, they have editors and things like that, but it's 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 still its own thing, mm-hmm. you know, Be, being the, the writer, director, editor, whatever, of a film in in the quote unquote auteur sense is definitely different from being the author of a novel, you know? Right, right. And and that's just I think I think you can also I think writing is probably very different than video. Right? You can I don't know, this is a difficult thing to talk to talk about. I mean, we're talking about words that was that were used back in the <laughs> middle seventeen hundreds, right? <laughs> the eighteenth century. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't even know if any of my friends know what that word means. Oh, that's interesting. It's been a well, while yeah, since I guess I, it is kind of a, a niche yeah, concept, yeah, you it's, know, it's been like, a while since I've heard that one. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause I was, just, I was looking at the origins of the idea of auteurism and this is a, I guess it's somewhat of a tangent, but you know, somewhat related, uh, but uh, the origins of auteurism, I think is the noun form, uh, of that where it the origins of that in film are from kind of the French new wave filmmaking right. movement. Right. Uh, and so I, I don't have a lot of experience in that sense, but more modern day auteurs are, are usually compared to like David Fincher who did social network. And I mean, a lot of other things. So I'm just, right, right, right. you know, spewing out what I know them from Quentin Tarantino, PT Anderson uh, and, and people like that who, Basically, what it means now is is just you wrote this and you directed this. 
you know? <laughs> right. And, and you know what? The truth right now is if there's any film studies or film majors out there who are listening, they're definitely cringing at us. And I think it is safe to say that, you know, our conversations is pretty, you bring up a good point by, by saying this is that, you know, our conversations aren't influenced by our, uh, film degrees because we don't have film degrees. Right. Right. Uh, but I, I, I like the evolution of the word. Uh, and I like how you, how there can be positive and negative ways to use that word. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is one of those words where I, I worry about, you know, labeling myself or someone else as an auteur because it just feels pretentious like or a negative connotation behind it yeah, yeah. right yeah like, like controlling i guess yeah is is kind of the the thing that comes to mind you know yeah it brings us back to that very first talking point then when we were talking about the the comedy uh, sketch you did uh, with harry and evan right i think if you didn't if you don't allow those those characters to have their sort of nuanced um, acting uh, sort of off the beat acting then that skit doesn't work as well as it does Before we get back to our conversation, we just wanted to tell you that if you ever want to get in touch with us or be part of the show, you can do so by emailing askwtd at gmail.com. Whether it's a topic suggestion, a question for the two of us, or just general feedback, that email address is the easiest way to reach out. Since this is a podcast for normal people by normal people, we want to be as interactive and receptive as possible. Once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, enough of that. Let's get back to it. Sorry if I, I brought us into a tangent. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I uh, I haven't heard that word in, since, I don't know. I think I read it in a blink of an eye back whenever we <laughs> had to read that book. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was the last time. <laughs> so you caught me there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a topic for another episode. Yeah, seriously. So coming back to the the solo v collaboration kind of debate, you you've mentioned that you almost always work in a in a collaborative environment. Uh, has there ever been a time where you've needed to adapt from uh, being more on your own or something like that? Yes, um, I'm trying to think back to uh, some of the projects that I worked on. Um, where I had to take more responsibility because potentially the, it was a group project, but potentially I think in those group projects, it was a little less of a shared mentality, shared work mentality or shared vision, maybe I should say. Sure. Uh, and so in that situation, I think it takes me back to, to Germany actually, when I was studying abroad and I had to create a, uh, a video for the city of Herne which was on the Western side of Germany. Um, and I was working with an international team, actually. It was an awesome opportunity to work with people from all over the world to create this sort of PR video for this city. Uh, and, and what we were doing in that um, for that video was to kind of showcase the um, evolution of the city and how it is a green and luxurious place to live, Uh sort of a transformation from its past because it was a, a coal mining city and one of the cities that was um, really devastated when the coal mines 
you know, went out of business. But anyways, to get back to mm. the to the part about collaboration, our, our half of our team didn't necessarily agree on the way or the direction we wanted to go with the the video. And I was not the leader of the team, but I had a significant say in how the video would go just because I had done a lot of the pre-work uh, more so than potentially my, my teammates. And in that pre-work, it was a lot of interviewing. It was a lot of getting uh, equipment together, doing a lot of that work, which should have been in a more collaborative fashion. And of course, my preference is always going to be let's work as a team. I like working with people. I like working with people around me. I like to make other people happy. Right. But in this case, that wasn't going to happen. And we, I found out pretty much off the bat that at least for this initial portion of the project, um, I was going to be doing it alone. And so adapting to that just meant I had to suck up my feelings. I had to take ownership <laughs> of the fact that if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen. And uh, I ended up taking ownership of the fact that, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to solve these problems. And then we're going to hit our deadlines and we're, I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust that the team is going to come back together uh, for the actual production portion. And it did make it a little more difficult uh, for this story, at least, uh, that I was in Germany and <laughs> that I uh, knew enough of the language to survive and get by, but not enough to hold full interviews, uh, especially for mm. the people we were doing uh, this video uh, with. Uh, but that's it's a difficult question for me about adapting to my non-preference, be- just primarily because most of my work, if not all of my work, has been in a collaborative fashion. Sure. So that was, that was a lot for me, but but what about you? M- more specifically, maybe experiences from non-ideal situations. Well, uh, I, I have two. I, I I think I have one example for each side of it, and I'll I'll try to be as succinct as I can. Uh, I think of in terms of adapting to a collaborative environment that was not ideal. I mean, obviously, collaboration isn't a not ideal thing, but it was just an interesting situation. Uh, I think back to my time, I believe it was sophomore year of college, uh, and the VPT in October was uh, working on a horror film called Red, uh, and I was a co-writer and director on that project, and it was it all happened very fast for me um, because it was... Uh, I mean, horror isn't my first inclination. I can probably count the the number of horror things I've watched on one hand. Well, maybe not anymore. I watched a lot this year, but uh, it's n- it's not my first inclination, you know. Right. And so, uh, what happened with that project is uh, Alex, our manager, was just like, "Hey, let's try to do a short film for this month as our our creative outlet outside of the." the more client-based projects that we were working on. And so I had this idea uh, of a found footage kind of uh, story Mm -hmm. about, this was back when, uh, the whole clown thing, remember that? Where uh, clowns were just wandering around. Shout out to how we just kind of ignored all of that once people stopped (laughs) and we never found out why. Right, right, right. But I, I had the idea of a found footage uh, kind of horror thing based on a, like a supernatural clown, clown or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I just had that initial idea, and then 
then I was helping a couple other people write it, and then I ended up being the director on it. Uh, and I have such an appreciation for all the people who worked on that. Uh, but it was just such an interesting experience because it, it was a lot of conflicting visions, and there are some like some people that I had never met before were the actors and things like that. And, you know, it's, I'm still proud of the fact that we were able to put out this horror short film in the span of like writing, filming and editing and release was basically three weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I, I forget how long it ended up being, but, uh, yeah. And so I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we got it done, but it was just such, such a weird, time where my initial idea just kind of got warped as time went on and uh I knew going in that it wasn't you know the kind of thing where it was it was it wasn't my project it was the group's project uh and I think just getting that into my head was uh a little tough at first Mm -hmm. um because I hadn't grown as an as a creative uh at that point where I could appreciate you know having all this other input and having it be the group effort. And I don't think I, you know, overstepped my boundaries in that way, but but I just kind of watched it take on a form that I wasn't anticipating. And so it was basically just adapting to that and being able to, you know, work with these actors who I uh, didn't really know and uh, just trying to uh, mesh my story or my idea. It's not like I had a full idea from the get-go, but just doing that uh yeah it was just an interesting process of of getting that all through how is that succinct for you <laughs> um, and uh but real quick the the other example uh on the end of adapting to a solo project uh earlier it was basically the start of the pandemic where i was doing these videos for a company that were, that was just informational how-to videos mm-hmm. uh and i was just trying to fit into the company and be self-sustaining uh, but it was hard because the pandemic just started. So I was in the office for a week before I went home and did everything by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was their only and first in-house video person to go to. Uh, and so it just took a while for me to settle in uh, mm-hmm. because I was having to write these videos and learn the product that I was writing about kind of on the fly and being able to write them, capture the footage edit them, do the voiceover and everything like that. So it just took a while to settle in and find the process. But it was just a, a matter of me finding the the courage to realize that self-sustaining doesn't mean you're cut off from other people. I, I just had to learn how to ask others for help. Um, and it was just a matter of the fact that I was the only video person there. It was, it was more so just, a, you know, being able to handle the video stuff on my own while being able to reach out and ask for help on on the branding side of things and, right. and things like that. So that's kind of the the other side of of things. I kind of have experience where both the collaboration side and the solo side were uh not terrible not bad situations, but just things that I had to grow into and adapt to and uh basically just things that helped me learn more about the process and myself, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are good examples. I mean, definitely non-ideal situations. Uh, but that being said, I mean, you still you were able to produce red, and on the on the flip side of that, you still were able to produce multiple videos for uh, that that company, and they were actually you know great informational videos that they used. Uh, so well, that's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, so now to sort of get to the to the meat uh, and, 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 and potatoes, <laughs> I guess we could call it, of the entire yeah. conversation. And, and that is, and that is um, well, collaboration is such a big thing. How can we be better collaborators? What are the different uh, types of collaboration and, and who are we collaborating with for the different types of projects? And, um, you know, there's a lot of articles out there, a lot of research. Uh, collaboration sort of a buzzword, and it's been a buzzword for a couple of years now. And it, I think it sort of became more powerful uh, of a buzzword when they started creating those open space works workplaces um, to allow yeah. for that collaboration, right? And so from your perspective, uh, what's like the first couple of things um, that's important to be a better collaborator? And it doesn't necessarily need to be a, a creative uh, venture out here, right? It could be any sort of collaboration. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the first word that comes to mind for me is just communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just because that's, I, w- I was thinking about the kind of types of collaboration. I, I mean, we had d- discussed uh, at some point before this, you know, uh, there's the collaboration between clients and between team members, mm-hmm. uh, which is more the creative side of things. But I think the all-encompassing thing for both of those is uh, communication and transparency. Because if you set up false expectations about the process or about what the product will be, that's an easy way to alienate people who are on your team or deteriorate deteriorate relationships right. with you know the client and things like that. And so, just having open and honest communication uh, to establish you know what your goals are and and what product you're you're trying to achieve and and things like that. I think that's basically the one of the the biggest things for me right yeah those are those are very important and i like how we distinguish collaboration between the clients and collaboration between team members because those are two different relationships that we have as creatives so as as far as collaboration between clients i mean you 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 talked about it beautifully i mean in order for someone who's maybe freelance or maybe even in-house work you have to have that relationship with your client. You have to have a shared vision. You have to be able to speak with each other and know exactly uh, what you're capable of creating, what the client is looking for, and how we can come up with that product. And that's how we're going to get the best product. And um, so when I look back at at wedding videos, I, I talked about this earlier, the clients are the bride and the groom. And you know, we have to share a vision and that vision is we're going to make this, this film, this wedding highlight film, uh, basically encapsulate all the memories and the feelings of, of that day into a five to eight minute video. Right. And that, and we have to share that vision. And if this video doesn't make the bride or groom cry when they watch it two years after they're married, then I think that I failed as that wedding videographer. (laughs) Right. And that's sort of the thing that I like to go by. And now the difference uh, for collaboration between that client right there versus a team member is, again, yes, we have to still work on a team. We still have to be transparent. We also have to share uh, a vision, but there's more to it when you're on a team, right? You have to, in order for the group success, you all, everyone in that group has to take ownership. That means everyone has to feel empowered, right? And everyone's going to have to solve specific problems. We're also going to be able to generate more ideas 
and we'll be able to design systems that will work best for our team. And so those are a couple of those things that are very different between collaboration for the client versus collaboration for team members. But that brings up a couple other things that you said previously, and that was, you know, trust, being able to trust that your team's going to work independently, meet the deadlines, um, and that we can sort of assume the best out of everyone. And un- until you've worked on a team that is not a good team, uh, <laughs> you can take that for granted, right? Right. Um, yeah. And then I think I think one thing that's super important, and I love this part about working uh, and collaborate in a collaborative team is having fun. And I can tell you the amount of fun that we had working on the Y men, the amount of fun that we've had just working on various other projects, just between the two of us. And then of course, all the other projects I've done in a collaborative fashion. I mean, it is just so much more fun when your team is having a good time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was one of the big things that, uh, I learned, uh, on the set of Y men is, is so there's a scene that's, uh, all in one take and it's kind of the climax it's an argument between the two main characters and i remember we did probably six takes all the way through uh with whatever issues we had where it's like oh the boom got in the shot we got to start over because it's supposed to be two and a half minutes all in one shot but i just remember uh xander the lead actor being like man that was draining <laughs> and uh it it really is just such an important thing to maintain a positive atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you, you'll hear about like acclaimed directors like Stanley Kubrick. I, th- I think the story is Stanley Kubrick on the shining where it's, it's that famous uh, scene where the ax is coming through the door and whoever that actress is had to scream for like three hours. Cause mm-hmm. they did hundreds of takes of that. Mm-hmm. And obviously Stanley Kubrick, one of the greats, but I just I just can't imagine having that, you know, environment where you're just uh, working your people dry. You know, it, right. I, for me, it's so important to have that 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 positivity on set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and obviously I, I'm, I'm just a lowly bearded podcast guy. <laughs> and Stanley Kubrick <laughs> is one of the, you know, greatest directors of all time. Well, so I, what do I know? I was going to say but for, for, different strokes for different folks for, <laughs> for the, for the amount of times you said you don't watch, um, horror or, or, you know, you don't know anything about horror. You've, you've, you've said a lot of stuff about horror films here today. Honestly, I've never seen the shining. I just know that fact. I, I know I need to see it, but I haven't. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So, so those are, I think, uh, I think it, that, that last five minutes of our conversation is the most important, especially when you're talking with people on your team and talking with your clients. Those are, those are all of those things are super important for a productive, uh, create creation of, of, of a video or a podcast or any sort of product. And so I think that can bring us to our last segment of the day, unless you have anything to add on. No, I I I think we got to, most of it. And so that segment is called Definitely Not Procrastinating. And this is where we just talk about something from this week that we watched or read or or something that just inspired us to get going or motivated us. Uh, and so, Nate, what was that for you this week? Yeah. So, I mean, I could definitely talk about a lot of things that I read. 
Just kidding. I didn't read too much this week. Actually, I did. <laughs> I did go back on my on my uh, YouTube binge uh, again. Um, this is going to be every week. I'll talk about the different things I watch on YouTube. But I've been really, really enjoying the uh, documentary um, films that have been posted. Uh, and this one was on the Real Stories channel, which has a, some interesting stuff. But uh, the one I watched was called "Where Did Chicago Go Wrong?" America's hypersegregated city. It's a it's a poverty documentary mm-hmm. talking about a lot of public housing and sort of the problems with um, housing equity and, and and stuff like that. And so the reason that I watch it was like an hour or something like that. And the reason I like watching these documentaries is because, like like I said in last week's episode, the director has a vision to influence the audience and sort of motivate them to uh, do something or change something. And not to mention that they also use excellent uh, musical pieces to empower uh, and to invoke um, different emotions, uh, as well as using really awesome creative camera shots and storytelling methods and techniques. And so that's what I've been I've been really enjoying watching those documentaries and I hope one day that I'll be able to shoot and edit and produce one of my own documentaries. So that's sort of a motivating factor for me. Cool. What about you? Uh, well, uh, just this morning, I finally recently I've been in, in one of those moods where I, I have been catching up on podcasts. Uh, usually for me, it happens where, you know, for a week, I'll be catching up and I'll listen to every episode that I've missed in the past month. Oh, but then yeah. the next month is uh, forgetting to keep up. And so then I have to spend another week catching up on everything. I think they call that Netflix uh, style where you <laughs> yeah. just binge watch or binge listen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I finally got around to listening to a, a podcast that started up. I believe it was uh, somewhere around last June or something like that. But Mike Probiglia is a comedian who I, I really like and admire. Uh, he's really funny, but he also, in his comedy specials, just has a really good way of, of telling stories uh, that, like, they are hilarious, but also having an overarching story to tell uh, that just, you know, makes you feel things mm-hmm. uh, while also being the laugh-out-loud kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so he started a podcast called Working It Out, where he invites on comedians every week uh, where since they're in quarantine and, and comedy clubs are open, they just work through the material that they've been uh, building up. And so it's them just talking through their, you know, comedic process, quote unquote, and, and talking through jokes with one another. And it's just a fun thing to listen to. I've only listened to uh, the first few episodes, but I'm excited to get into it more. Uh, Ira Glass was the first episode and then mm-hmm. John Mulaney. Wow. Uh yeah, I know Hannah Gadsby is is in there. Uh, Pete Holmes. There's a lot of good names on there that I, I can't wait to get to. Wow. Uh, so yeah, Mike Perbigley is uh, working it out. It's good stuff. How how do we get those folks on our show? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna tweet at them incessantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that was definitely not procrastinating. You had a good one this week. I should really get on my horse and uh, 
look at uh, <laughs> look at some of the stuff you are looking at or listening I mean, to. What I leave out is that I'm playing video games while I listen to these podcasts. <laughs> oh, why did you bring that up? Why did you bring that up? I just don't want to <laughs> seem like like you know we're just normal people. You know, <laughs> we sure are. We sure are. All right, Nate. Uh, where can the people find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Nate Ulrich sixteen. Again, that's at N A T E U L R I C H one six. What about you, Jacob? I am at the Jacob Novak on Twitter. Still looking for that better handle, but for now, it's at the Jacob Novak. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.